All right. I would like to call the Wednesday, February 28th, 2024 meeting of the Transportation Commission to order. Um, I am hearing an echo, Franz. Are we able to turn off any extra mics? Is your laptop any chance or? Okay. Oh, back in. Do a quick test. Yep, still echo. All right. Cool. Still, yeah, we're still one. Oh, um, again? Yeah, that's that going. Yeah. Mm. All right, try now. Still have an echo. Oh, that, that still has an echo. Thanks to everyone online who is waiting while we sort this out in the room. Oh, that is, we're good. Whatever you did, thank you. <laughs> All right, uh, continuing on, tonight's meeting is a hybrid meeting. Members of the community are welcome to join the meeting in person or remotely through Zoom or by telephone. And since this is a hybrid meeting format, I will be calling roll for members of the commission. Please answer in the affirmative when your name is called. AJ Antrim. Here. Shree Balmerugan. Faith DeBolt. Here. Caitlin Goodman. Here. Ryan Miller. Here. Tracy Trexel. Here. Vice Chair Patrick Vu. Here. And Chair Brian McGee is here. All right, next up we have review and approval of the meeting minutes from our January 24th, 2024 meeting. Are there any comments or corrections to the meeting minutes? We have a motion for approval. This is Patrick. I'll make the motion. Do we have a second? I'll second the motion. All, right. All in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? All right. Motion passes. Minutes have been approved. Next on the agenda, we have items from the audience. Now is the opportunity for members of the community to provide public comment. Please limit all public comments to three minutes, and we ask that you treat everyone with kindness and respect. We want everyone in Kirkland to feel welcome to express their viewpoints. If you are attending the meeting in person, please fill out the sign-in sheet here in the room. For those online attending remotely, please provide your name and address. And Franz, do we have any remote attendees outside of the commission? Uh, there are no remote attendees tonight. Okay. I should have just, I should always ask that up front, um, but that means we can move forward because I don't believe we have any one in the room. 
So next up on the agenda is the TMP 2023 progress report. And Blair, I'll hand it off to you. Okay, thank you. I think I should be presenting from here, is my understanding? Yeah, I'll give that a try. So friends, I need that folder. Um, would that be handy here? wherever the other files are saved for this meeting. Yeah. Which one? Well, I put in a 2024 one. Is there no 2024 one? I didn't because I thought I put it in the right folder. Is there, do you know where to find that one? Is it, it, yeah. It's the General Transportation Commission. Folder. Yeah, this is oh. the general. No, I don't. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Give us one second here. Probably take a different stab at finding it then. Okay, if we can get to the general transportation like group folder. It's not accessing. Oh, you can't get to the group folder. Is that all? No, okay. Hmm. Good. Yeah, maybe let's. I'm gonna have to go to my desk right now and email it if that's the way that we could then get it. So, so there's no way to. So even the, the transportation group folder we can't get to. Oh, okay. Boy, I apologize. Sorry, everyone. Um, looks like it got put into the a folder that's not accessible by that computer, uh, unfortunately. Um, Doug, yeah. one thing we'll wait for Blair, if we want to move up some of the comment update items sure. at the, end of the agenda. That's a great idea. That may be yeah, a nice short you. one we can cover. Thank you. Yeah, so um, if everyone's okay with the uh, amendment to the agenda, we can. Okay. Um, so... Uh, the first item in our comments and updates uh, is a reminder of the joint council meeting on the 19th of March, so a couple weeks from now. Uh, at that meeting, we're going to be meeting with the council, uh, the full council, uh, to talk about the 2024-2025 work plan that we developed over the last couple meetings. Um, you'll recall from the January meeting that, that was um, recommended for council approval. Um, uh, we know that... Uh, the chair and the vice chair are gonna be attending in person. It would be great if you could email me um, your plans for that meeting. Ideally, we'd have everyone in person, but we know that sometimes that doesn't always work. So you can attend virtually, that is uh, okay. Um, just please let me know at your earliest convenience. Um, and in that meeting, we will uh, probably uh, open it up with a presentation on the actual work plan and kind of going through the general uh, amendments we've made from the last one in the sense of kind of cleaning up the document, adding in the categories and the responsibilities for the commission, and um, uh, and then letting the council kind of weigh in on some of the substance and the tasks that we have identified. So um, uh, just kind of keep it an informal conversation and then ask council to adopt it at, actually at the next meeting in April, the April 2nd meeting. So um, are there any questions about kind of how that will proceed or, yeah. Um, I was just curious, 
ballpark how long um, to budget for that? Yeah, great question. Um, so we are one of two items, is my understanding at this um, moment in time, on the study session. So study sessions start at 5.30. We are hoping to do this in 30 minutes. Um, and one of the reasons for that is actually the transportation strategic plan is the other, other part of that meeting, and it will take at least uh, an hour on that one. And we usually do about 90 minutes on the study session so that council can get a little break before the regular meeting. So um, I think it's safe to plan for 5.30 to about 6, and it could possibly go a little longer, but... Yeah, good question. Um, if there's no other questions on the March 19th joint meeting, I'll move on to uh, the community appreciation event. So uh, I think in the uh, uh, email to the commission, we mentioned uh, trying to get a group photo today. We have some folks that are uh, dealing with illnesses, so uh, we won't be able to get the full group, but we did take a group photo at the last meeting, so maybe we can do some, some domination. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the end of this meeting, we will take a, a photo. So thank you. Um, for those who were able to attend. Um, are there any questions about the event on March 15th? Or sorry, May, May 15th, I said March, I meant May, May 15th, okay. Um, and then uh, as for the next meeting of the commission, that will be March 27th, the fourth Wednesday of March. And uh, at this moment in time, uh, we will be reporting back on the TSP, Transportation Strategic Plan, uh, and the work that we'll be doing with council on the 19th of March. Uh, so we'll be able to kind of report back to the commission on what we're hearing and, and um, kind of the input we've had from the council in that regard. Um, we have some other uh, topic areas that we can get into at the, uh, at the end of this presentation on the TSP. Um, what is not written here is uh, the city speed limit policy update. So we do, we have identified that as a first quarter item in our work plan um, as kind of a kickoff of that. We uh, will plan to have some high level information about the scope of that work, generally the timeline, kind of the elements of community engagement that we're, we foresee, um, and just kind of kick it off in a little bit of a soft launch. Um, that one, we're still doing some internal reviews on that work. So we're not quite ready to do a full full substantive presentation, but definitely kicking it off, I think is good. And kind of hearing from the commission what things we want to look at and kind of add to the scope, I think would be um, appropriate at that at that time. So um, yeah, I think those are the two uh, topics for March 27th. Are there any, did I miss anything again? We're good. I think you got it. Okay, yeah. Are there any questions? No. No, but um, I'd say yeah. thank you, Doug, for not only giving us that nice rundown, but with very little notice and having it moved up the agenda. So um, I do appreciate that, kind of help make use of our time here. And I do appreciate the um, kind of still squeezing in the the speed limit portion on the agenda for, for our next meeting to kind of get that one kicked off. Absolutely. I think that one um, is a really important body of work for the next year. And uh, very, it's it is a little bit more technical in nature. So, we will have some of our engineers here to support that work. Um, but again, that first touch will be pretty high level and kind of um, more scope oriented. Oh. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Delay. All right, so this is our fifth occasion of producing an annual progress report that is linked to our transportation master plan, which was from 2015. So each of the 11 or so metrics, things that are kept track of in this annual progress report 
are tied back to a table that's on page 101 in the, the TMP itself. There's a little bit of interpretation to be done um, because that table contains goals or objectives, uh, but not all of them were perfectly straightforward to be able to measure. So uh, we did our, our uh, interpreting to come up with something that we could measure year over year that was feasible and that was closely related to what, what that goal or objective was. Um, of course, this new TMP or TSP update is an opportunity to make adjustments to what things we want to keep track of. And so Kim will be facilitating some discussion on that, Kim and, and uh, Doug will. But uh, for the time being, we've updated this one. And um, so we can go over the numbers that we found for, for uh, 2023. And this will likely be the last progress report of this nature that's tied to those old goals from 2015. Uh, so the order of the, the modes of transportation here, of course, safety isn't exactly a mode, but starts with safety and then goes to walk and so on. And that follows the order in which the modes are listed in the TMP itself. So starting with safety, we can see in the most uh, the three most recent years uh, for serious injuries or, or disabling injuries, uh, our numbers have unfortunately gone up a little bit over that period. Uh, we also look at rates. And when we look at the collision rates, th that accounts for population growth. So it gives a little bit more of an accurate uh, perspective um, than just the raw numbers. Um, so a slight increase in disabling injuries uh, and a slight de decrease in the uh, three most recent years in fatalities on Kirkland's roads. Uh, going to the walk section, we've been keeping track of our completion of sidewalk on at least one side of the street on all of our 12 elementary school walk routes. So uh, we're at 99%, very near 100% completion. And you can see those two schools, Sandberg and Twain, over 90% complete, but there are still portions of that official designated school walk route that don't have sidewalk on at least one side of the street. Looking at crosswalks, there was a uh, a list of 71 light division crosswalks in that original 2015 TMP. So over the years, we've been making lighting improvements at those crosswalks. And at this point, I have 54% completion of those 71 uh, light division crosswalks. And I imagine there'll be either a new list or some new method that we will come up with for the TSP update. So that list of 71 will probably not be relevant going forward. Um, in fact, some of the lighting, we've made more lighting upgrades at crosswalks than is reflected in that particular metric because some of the lighting upgrades that were required were not at crosswalks that were on that list of 71. So uh, good to be aware of that. Looking at the 10-minute neighborhoods, again, we've been at nearly 100% completion for having sidewalk on at least one side of the street on our uh, highest scoring neighborhood walk route, or excuse me, 10-minute neighborhood walk routes uh, for some time now. There's just two very small segments of sidewalk that just have been not not risen to high enough priority that we could actually uh, justify uh, prioritizing them. And some of them were expected to be done by development and have not yet been taken care of by development. Moving to the bike section, uh, we keep track of bike lane, our, our bike lane networks, um, uh, both uh, the bike lane network and the greenways network. And we see we're at 81% of the planned bike lane network complete and 18% of the planned greenways network complete or in design. Moving to the transit section, this is where, because we have a transit, uh, a transit implementation plan, we've just been reporting on uh, the fact that that plan exists and that we're making progress on completing those projects. So um, that 2019 plan identified 11 projects for completion over a 15-year period, and five of those projects to date have been completed. Others are partially funded. 
So we're looking forward to the I-405 Stride Bus Rapid Transit coming 2027 and the Rapid Ride K-Line coming estimated 2030. Then we also keep track of, uh, we want our um, passenger environments to be friendly, comfortable as much as possible. So at bus stops, uh, what percentage of our highest ridership bus stops in the city have shelters? And uh, that's currently at 90%. That list of highest ridership stops changes every year. As you can imagine, it's not always the same stops that have the very highest ridership. So we fluctuated around 90% every year since we've been measuring this. And uh, King County, on a continuing basis, continues to build shelters at our stops. Moving to the drive section, we th this uh, pavement condition index metric was linked to a goal that, uh, that um, called for paving all of the city's streets anew in over a 20-year period. And uh, it was decided that was not quite an appropriate um, thing to aspire to because new pavement on roads can last more than 20 years. So you wouldn't want to just go after paving every road just to complete that goal. So instead, because the PCI pavement condition index is a number that we already keep track of for other purposes, we use that as our metric. So a current uh, PCI of 72 uh, does exceed the target of 70. And then our ITS, Intelligent Transportation Systems, we have 90% of the city of Kirkland operated signalized intersections are fully updated to the city standards for both equipment and connectivity to the Transportation Management Center. Going down to the key transportation projects, and then we'll get to page three, which lays out the year-over-year -year progress on completion of these different goals. Um, there are four, there, as of the end of 2023, which that's what this progress report is, is a snapshot as of, the, as of the end of 2023, there were 42 city transportation projects underway. We chose to highlight these six in particular. Uh, five of them are the same as what was on the report last year, but number one uh, last year was the... Um, Bridge and Totem Lake, and that is done. So we were able to swap that, swap in a different project, say for Rouse School projects, of which there are 40 locations citywide. And so we didn't put a pin for all locations, but we put a pin right in the center of the city to represent all 40 of those locations. And then moving on, uh, we can see that we track uh, year by year the same numbers that are above, including disabling injuries, fatalities, disabling injury rates, fatality rates, and so on. And so, of course, these numbers that have been near 100% for a while, like especially in the walk section, um, it's time to replace those goals, I think it's fair to say. So that is the end of the um, presentation of the TMP progress report. Thank you. Lauren, if you wouldn't mind keep, keeping that open, because we might go back and reference it. Yeah, okay. Conversation. Yeah, will you be up here, or should she do have the map somewhere? Okay. Yeah, I have, I have comments. You know, it's, it's, Blair, it's great. You know, visually, it's, it's, it's very visually striking. Um, but, you know, I think year on year, this is my second year looking through these things, I'm always left kind of wanting more in the sense that, you know, as, as, as somebody looking at it, it's like, well, what does that mean? You know, 70, 72 out of 100 for the PC, PCI index, for instance. And I think I had these comments last year. Um, I, I think we, at some point, we, I think we need to sit down and as we get the new transportation strategic plan in place, kind of wholesale take a look, you know, what do these, these metrics we're collecting? What kind of data sources we have in, available? But also it's kind of, um, it, it needs a little bit more context in terms of like, it's a status report, but it doesn't tell me what the progress is. If I look at the last chart, I, I, as a number of person, I'm looking at it, it's trending down. 
you know, pavement index, for instance, is going from 76 to 72. Yeah, we're meeting at 70, 70 out of 100, but that's not the, the progress I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking at doing better, not on year on year doing worse. So that's kind of, to me, this is missing context. You know, there's no Blair sitting next to me telling me like, oh, but this is but this is what's happening or this is the exception or something like that. And I'm thinking that that's going to be something else looking at this without any context. And looking like fatality went up. What are we doing about it? You know, more, more importantly, what are we doing about it? And so this progress gives us like a snapshot, but it doesn't tell me like, so what are we doing about it? Is it training up? Is it bad? Is it good? Some, some, some structure behind that as well. So. I can, I can uh, add a little context there. So uh, thank you for the comments. I think uh, with the conversation we plan to have um, in the next item on the agenda, I think this is a very good kind of, start to that because we want to hear what we want it to look like in the future. This is kind of wrapping up that last policy framework, you know, progress report. And um, absolutely the, the comments about context and what does it mean and what are the trends? I think that's, we want to be able to talk about that and how we frame it up for the next round of, of annual progress reporting. Um, so definitely good comments for that. Can I add, I'd almost like to see a projection, you know, you show the previous, year and you compare it to, I, mean, I guess you're comparing two, two time periods, but I guess I was left wondering, well, what's the timeline to, you know, for example, the crosswalks that didn't meet lighting standards, what is it going to be in the next two or three year period? What's the timeline to complete that goal? So I was kind of left wondering what that projection was and maybe on the pavement rating, what is the next time period? Is it still trending down? And in the next period, we're going to be below, you know, if it keeps at that same rate. So uh, the yeah. projection would be interesting to me. And I think pertaining to the pavement, because a couple of you have mentioned it, there's a, a note in the staff report of the memo for this progress report that acknowledges that um, our capital improvement program staff plans to bring a, a plan specific for how we're going to do better as a city with our payment condition. So that is... Um, they're aware of that declining number. It is still above that 70 goal. My understanding is you wouldn't necessarily aspire for for 100 as your index because that could mean you're putting too much resources towards that. But um, it's something that staff will be coming with a plan related to that about. Can I just follow up one more on? Does do we track all of the new infrastructure? Does our is our maintenance and operations staff taking all of the new? Um, as development builds, as, as we build out new new infrastructure, is that, are we calculating the cost of that maintenance and, and are we providing them um, an increase in maintenance resources as we build new infrastructure? Is so, that like a concurrency question maybe? Yeah, I think it's um, a little bit broader than, than that potentially, but um, yes, we do track that. And we do, when we accept new um, assets, new infrastructure, they go, you know, they go through, there's a whole process for that. There's a whole legal, legal steps and everything. Um, and yes, ideally as the city grows and takes on more assets, the the staff and, and, and equipment and everything we need to continue maintaining level of service, uh, in this case, PCI is, is one of those metrics. Um, should grow with that. So um, it might happen kind of incrementally and it might happen um, sometimes in big leaps and bounds or go backwards in years, depending on budget situations. But yes, the the idea is that we do keep pace with all of that and, and maintain the assets that we own, um, own in quotation marks, but have the responsibility to maintain. So, yeah. 
Can I follow, follow up on that? Because there's a little history back. Because on, on this particular topic, no, no it's, I love maintenance. And Julie, had, Julie and us had conversations in the past year over that in terms of like, what are we doing about the maintenance? And so I do welcome that there's going to be discussions about what we're going to do in terms of resource loading in, in order to provide that that balance that we, we, you know, we just talk about that balance. And so I'm looking forward to that. I'm not sure if it's on our main, in our work plan though, that discussion on, on pavement. Yeah, that would be more city council or just internally. A lot of a lot of maintenance is sort of how we budget and how that you know oh, okay. Kind of okay. a little bit um indirect, I guess you could say, that it it is reviewed generally by council and leadership and everything. Um, but those are items that wouldn't necessarily go to commission um kind of outside that. But Blair mentioned something about talking about pavement. So yeah. I might I might have been misunderstanding if I give the impression that that yeah. I was certain that it was coming to the transportation commission, that, that might have been mistaken. Yeah, those okay. those wouldn't necessarily be a commission item. Yeah. But, but again, I think last time we talked to Julie about this, you know, there was there was discussions about you know, well, well what is that that funding um, percentage? Because we you know because a couple of the graphs before and tables before we've seen like maintenance versus capital improvement projects and so forth. Just understanding on our front, uh, maybe perhaps maybe perhaps we can provide some some in, some inputs into yeah. Wait a second, you know this you know especially when we're approving capital projects and and so forth, and we're talking about at one point in time, the balancing between you know what's what's being done on capital side versus the maintenance side. They have been looking at um, as we add new assets to the system. Um, our CIP department has been working with our finance team to kind of think about how we um, that kind of incrementally grows as our assets grow, our maintenance needs grow. That sounds like what you're asking about, and they've been um, kind of working on kind of figuring out what that formula is and how to. Kind of you know, make that institutionalize that a little bit more. And I think um, if I could, I know there's some questions. So just real quick, though, um, uh, the the charge of the commission is is more that policy kind of high level, build that framework. And so with with that in mind, talking about uh, we have had conversations in the past on the policies in the TSP, the draft policies about maintenance. I remember those conversations from maybe October or so. And so I think that's where we would affect that change as a commission. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's, that's exactly what I'm trying to point it to is that, you no, know, as you know, in order to, to have a good policy discussion, we need to have the actual what's, what's happening. And then, you know, for us, that will make us give us the, the, the ability to say, well, you know, from a policy standpoint, you know, we talk about safety, Maybe perhaps we should talk about instead of building things out, maybe we should maintain what we have first. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's a good point. And it's um, a little bit of both for sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is Commissioner Trexel. Uh, I had a couple of questions about the data that's up there. So, for example, just on the safety that's showing right now, um, for clarification, are these collision numbers vehicle collisions or pedestrians? Vehicles with pedestrians. There are any, anyone, so people on bikes, people walking, people driving, and it does refer to individual, like disabling injuries means an individual person, not the collision itself. You can have one collision with multiple disabling injuries. So these numbers account for the individuals. Okay. And then I guess my second question would be, is it be helpful to have some context around why they may be trending up? You know, if you look at the numbers as a whole, um, were these things that occurred in updated areas with improved lighting or were these things in a construction zone? I mean, if I look at the fact it's trending up, for example, I would be concerned that our efforts aren't achieving our objectives. So some explanations might help clarify. 
And, and similarly, as you scroll down, you had some examples of from 2020 to 2035, there was some 11 projects identified, five of which complete. I guess I'd be interested to know, are we tracking on the timeline? You know, do we feel like we're on target to complete them on time type of thing? So, so the data is awesome. It just doesn't provide a clear picture of how we're progressing against the objectives. This is Faith. Um, I definitely agree with uh, what Tracy was just saying and uh, I think Brian earlier. Um, and I also just wanted to add on to, you know, just the observations about the um, injury rates and um, was wondering, and I'm trying to figure out if there's a way to frame this as a policy question, but does the city, I, I've been seeing um, efforts around, discussions around um, vehicle safety requirements. You know, we've been seeing vehicles get larger and heavier and there's the pickup trucks that are getting taller and taller in the front. Um, and uh, is the city joining in any advocacy efforts to address uh, vehicle safety when it comes to people outside of vehicles? <laughs> Participating in bicycle and pedestrian you know, safety, like external groups or, I mean, we do um, participate in um, a couple different forums. Um, there's a, um, a, a group, interagency group that looks at um, uh, data collection evaluation. And one of the things they've talked about recently are different data sources. Um, it's something that we have in our vision zero plan. And um, so we're tracking that, um, uh, you know, participating in, in groups that talk, you know, statewide groups. There's a target zero group. Our council member Pascal is on the Cooper Jones active transportation committee. And then, you know, he's sharing us with us a lot of the um, resources that they have through that. We've been talking about doing a, um, kicking off a safety campaign and have been talking internally about that. So um, yes, we are um, thinking and um, working regionally and thinking internally about what more we can do aside from just projects. I guess I was thinking more about it in the transportation professionals on the uh, commission can chime in here with, uh, so there's like the national uh, transportation safety uh, board and there's like a rating system and doing more to incorporate um, impacts on uh, you know, people outside of vehicles when there's a collision to reduce injury and death. Um, it seems like, you know, vehicle manufacturers have really focused on in, uh, protecting people inside vehicles. Uh, so I've seen some effort to try to address those concerns, and that's more of a national effort. And I, I didn't know if um, there's some channel for the city to advocate um, for improving uh, on that side. That um, it's something we could look into, um, but I am not aware of uh, any efforts related to that. Other than promoting, you know, more protected separation, um, you know, that does get to projects. 
Um, and then also doing what we can, like I mentioned, we're talking about launching a safety campaign. So there's education, there's looking at what kinds of crashes we have and how do we address them. So we do like our local road safety plan has some projects that specifically address the locations and the types of crashes that we are seeing. Um, and that's where some of our projects come from. Um, so in terms of maybe faith or excuse me, council member DeBolt, um, Maybe we could discuss offline a little bit more what you mean um, about kind of protecting people outside vehicles or inside vehicles. I see what you mean, but, you know, in terms of, you know, that's how we would respond is looking at how we have more opportunity to separate people from cars. Kim and Doug, I can chime in. This is Victoria Kovacs. Um, the, what they's referring to is the vehicle safety rating that's more at the federal level for governing vehicle design and vehicle safety ratings. And I know there's been advocacy from America Walks and other national organizations, the League of American Bicyclists, <clears throat> to modify those safety ratings to consider the impact vehicles have on pedestrians and things outside of the vehicle. I don't know that cities have a special role or place in that you know, the, the regulation of design of vehicles is beyond the scope of the city's control. It is really the national level, um, but that's certainly something we could look into. Thank you, Victoria. Yeah, thanks, Victoria. I've been notified that AJ has her hand up. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to comment in agreement with Faith that if there is any way that the city can be involved in that sort of advocacy, um, that that would be really great. Um, that it's larger vehicles always get higher safety ratings based on that federal regulation and larger vehicles also kill people more when they hit pedestrians and bicyclists. Um, and it would be really interesting if, I don't know if it's common in this data to have information on what vehicle types were involved, um, but if it would be possible in the future to get data on which vehicles are involved in more fatalities, more serious injuries, um, that would be really interesting as well. Yeah, I think, um, sorry, I was just going to add, kind of bringing back to what uh, Commissioner Trexel was saying about um, trying to understand the trend. And you know, if the city is doing a lot to uh, address safety and we're trending in the wrong direction, having more information to explain that trend. Um, and like Commissioner Antrim was just saying, if we, if we could um, have uh, for tracking vehicle type involved in a collision with a pedestrian or a cyclist that could help um, potentially inform that as well. I was just going to chime in and say, I know this might be the last time you're going to do this report, might look at different metrics going forward. Was curious, I, I think some of the other commissioners have brought this up, that a way to contextualize this, how are we doing against peer cities that we might aspire to have a safety record that looks like theirs, have a bike network that looks like theirs, 
So even a comparison to another city or as we were saying to, to a point in time. So I'm looking at there's there's been very little to no change uh, in the bike lane network and the greenways since 2021. Should I read that as these projects are coming down the road and that's okay? Or is this us not meeting our goals and we are underfunded here and we're underperforming? So I think just being able to understand that and say is 81% good, bad, it's, it's hard to interpret without that additional context. Um, but appreciate the report as a whole. There's always that trade-off when, if you're going for a sleek infographic, then you can explain more maybe in the memo or in the presentation. And so the trade-off, but that, that, that does uh, lead us towards looking forward and TSP related matters. Can you give some context just like, is is the city pleased with that 81% and, and we haven't moved the needle in a couple of years? Is that we are missing funding there? Um, I know the greenways, we've talked a lot about greenways. I know shores to stores is going to change that percentage, but are we reading that as a good, a bad number? Is there a value judgment on that from from staff? I think one thing to keep in mind is that this is within the 2015 policy framework too and the project list that is in there. So there is some that gets missed. And, um, you know, over time, what, and I'm not saying that this is exactly the case here. I'm, I'm, I am still relatively new to, to Christmas, so I'm kind of still gathering information. But a lot of times um, you find that some of the more complicated projects are the ones that you end up doing uh, later on. And so it takes a little bit more effort. And so there's a little bit of delay related to that potentially. Uh, but again, this is kind of looking into that, just that that framework that's built in 2015. So um, uh, in regard to relation to peers, I, th I think Kirkland does have a very good reputation, regionally speaking. And I think even if we do kind of you know, because we hear it as staff that, hey, we're not doing enough, we're not doing enough. And, but when you take a step back, it is, Kirkland does lead the way in a lot of, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of people want to work for the city of Kirkland. So um, it, there's, a, there's a little bit of that too, that sometimes we get kind of um, myopic. It's like, oh, you know, and so there's a broader context, but I would say, yes, Kirkland does, generally speaking, kind of really lead the way in a lot of, a lot of these types of um, metrics. I think with that, I, you know, Doug, I, I think, and Blair as well, what we have here really celebrates kind of a lot of the progress that has been made. You know, we always want more. We're needy. Uh, I will full, like freely admit that, at least for myself. Um, but I think that a lot of the progress does shine through in this report. And I know we'll talk more about kind of format and what we can do with uh, the future versions of it. But um, thank you for walking us through everything. And um, I think while we had that spike last year, hopefully it's a standalone spike in in the the fatality and um, disabling injuries. But we'll kind of definitely be monitoring that going forward. Hopefully we get to vision zero. Yes, exactly. Thank you, and, th and thank you, Blair. That's a, a lot of work um, goes into that. So thank you. Okay, and next up on our agenda, I'll turn it over to Kim for transportation strategic plan. And we're still sharing, right? So I don't have to. My presentation. Yes. Great. Um, so today, um, these are the topics we're going to get into. Um, I'm not going to redo the slide, but um, we're going to um, um, get into a couple things today. I do want to mention that um, we did get a, um, a, a nice um, jumpstart into our conversation about performance measures um, and look forward to kind of working through the rest of that with you today. Um, but I do want to make sure that we 
make sure we have enough time to get into the projects because um, that's really our critical path um, for um, providing feedback to um, the council. Um, and so we'll um, kind of, uh, um, and so, and just so as a little bit of a reminder, um, we wanted to be a little bit more clear um, when we have our um, topics for you, um, which topics are um, items that we will summarize and then report back to council on. And so, um, uh, not at the at the March meeting, um, but soon after, um, we will um, take your feedback and bring them um, a new draft of uh, updated performance measures. Um, and then uh, what we are preparing for for the March council meeting um, and that we'd like to have a discussion with you today is about packaging the projects and we'll get into why we're doing that and what that will look like. And then um, and then we're going to um, talk a little bit about our public engagement web map. Um, and some of our cost revenue assumptions, and that's more of an inform. And so we won't, um, we'll have, you know, host some questions and answers, but we won't necessarily take that feedback and bring it back to council. This is more of an FYI. Wanted to be a little bit clear about that. Did want to debrief a little bit after our last meeting. Um, one of the things that we wanted to, I know that the, the schedule and the timing of the project prioritization was a little, um, uh, um, you know, we didn't leave quite enough time to kind of work through that and the, the level of detail um, that the commission is used to. Um, one thing we just wanted to make sure that folks understand is that um, there was a decision to um, change our, um, how that we're approaching our environmental impact statement from doing an addendum, which is much more simple, um, to a full supplemental um, uh, SEIS. And um, that impacted our schedule. So instead of having um, a draft plan by August for a November, October, November, or maybe even July, you know, um, October, November council adoption of the comprehensive plan, we're looking at having to have a draft plan by June for a December adoption of the comprehensive plan. And even that's going to be really tight. Um, it's just that um, the city decided we wanted to um, do a, um, a little bit more of a robust job, make sure that we're um, doing everything, showing the community that we're doing everything we can to look at our impacts. And that was what kind of drove that decision, but that's also impacting our schedule. So just wanted to debrief on that a little bit. And then on the prioritization side, um, one of the things that um, I hear, and I've heard a lot about in the past with this group, um, is the kind of the, the level of stress. And I wanted to address that a little bit. So level of stress is, gener is calculated by looking at speed limits, um, volumes on the road, um, um, you know, generally um, the number of lanes, the level of separation. And we just wanted to, um, you know, wanted to let you know that we do feel strongly that the, the elements that go into a level of stress calculation are covered under a prioritization framework. They're just covered under different measures. Um, we, um, we are looking, so our high, um, high crash corridors, um, that, that volume and speed that goes into the calculation along with, um, where we're seeing crash rates. And then in addition to that, we're looking at access to transit and transit supportive corridors, which are also often on arterials. And so we're really looking at those high stress places 
And then we're giving a lot of extra opportunity for projects that provide the added safety benefit, in particular, that level of separation that alleviates you from that stress. And those projects get, you know, a lot of opportunity for high points in the prioritization. So I did want to just kind of mention that. I don't, I want you to know that we're, it's not just in a, um, a topic that's ignored. Um, we do um, feel strongly that we've covered the intent of what level of stress really is. So thought I'd mention that. Um, there's no well, strong feelings. I'll move on. Um, so performance measures. So I don't have to um, get into this too much, um, but we are me measuring progress um, for our next plan. Um, we do want to make sure that we, um, um, the measures that we choose, that it's reliable um, and that we would have the data that's available, um, well, reliable data, um, that it's repl replicable. Um, and if we, if there are some measures that we really want to see, um, but we, you know, getting the data now is challenging, we can make a goal or a policy or really an action in our um, in the, in our plan to um, to strive to get that data so that then we can then better measure. Um, and so um, just kind of wanted to uh, update people on some examples of where we do get our data. So um, a lot of what you've seen is project completion um, through our CIP. We complete projects, we can look at funding. Um, our crash data that currently comes from police reports. As I mentioned, we are I'm coordinating with regional groups and there's some, you know, we're not the only city that's kind of trying to brainstorm about how we might incorporate other data sources. Um, we have permanent counters on the CKC. We are, we do have a service package to increase our um, our uh, active transportation counts. And so um, we are purchasing more counters. Um, the, um, we also have our annual count program at our, at our signalized intersections. Um, and then we do some corridor monitor, monitoring through our traffic control program. Um, that we're often used as um, when we get requests for speeding, we go and take a look to see if the volumes on a particular street, how fast people are going. It also can help us do before and after count. So is a project working? Um, as well as we thought, one example is um, our, um, we did before counts and then um, after counts of our greenways, of our first two greenway projects, and have seen some progress there. Um, and so maybe, maybe for um, performance measures, we could choose a couple projects and maybe track the performance on those. That's kind of one idea. Um, we do have a, um, put in a grant application for the federal SMART program that's part of the bipartisan infrastructure uh, bill, law, whatever, um, and um, to expand our um, camera technology at signalized intersections, that one would be very, very cool um, because um, it would allow us to gather 24-7 um, um, bicycle and pedestrian data along with um, other our auto data. We have a wealth of information. It would be expanding from five cameras that we're testing now to about like 23 or 18 or something like that. Um, and then we can kind of test our build out. I mean, to then to see if we're, you know, we can build that out citywide. Um, so this grant program, if we get the first phase, 
we might be able to get the bigger phase later. And so um, crossing fingers, because that could really, um, we could turn it right back around and use that data for performance measures. But right now we don't have that data yet. Um, we should know by the, by the next meeting though. Um, oh, Kim? Yeah. Hi, this, this is Faith. I just had a question. I think I heard you say you're getting more of the permanent counters for active transportation modes. And I was wondering if those are where um, you're placing those are those also for the CKC or in other places? I can take that. Uh, that's a good question. So we're currently working on that. We're going through the procurement process. Um, as Kim mentioned, we did get some budget approval, uh, about $50,000 to purchase new equipment. Um, and uh, the locations are TBD. Um, we haven't uh, procured the equipment yet. So once we get that, we'll have an internal conversation about um, locations. But CKC is definitely one corridor that um, obviously um, we would want to um, gather data. And uh, we have a couple counters out there right now, and we're looking to expand that in multiple locations and some areas of interest. So um, definitely uh, on the right path on that one. Are those general cameras at intersections and with software that counts other modes or, or can you just share a little bit more about the sure the um so the city it's called it's kind of an um under an interesting term under our its plan as we call it our signal performance measures but they are um there are some technologies that utilize our existing cameras um but then we're looking at upgrading our, the camera technology itself and what it does is it does it is can't they are cameras and they um you know, they point to the intersection and kind of identify um, you know, traffic movements and um, and identify people of walking. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this with uh, um, when we did our parking sensors, um, the cameras for those, there have been studies where they're not that accurate. The difference with, with intersection cameras is that they're not, you're not trying to track a whole block and all this movement. They're pointed in like one very specific location. And so the, the movements are predictable, maybe absent people jaywalking outside of the, the little zones you set up. Um, but that's generally how that works. If we did um, uh, near miss analysis, which is also part of that grant, um, those would be different cameras because um, the technology is a little bit different. Um, and uh, yeah, so those of you that are kind of really, well, we're all interested in the safety piece, but um, that would be another element of the um, SMART grants. I would just encourage to reach out to other jurisdictions. I know other cities in the area are doing good work. I know almost every Bellevue intersection has two cameras, a, yeah. a PTZ and a, and a 360 camera that looks in every single direction. So there's there's some good stuff out there that may help you if, if someone's already uh, found a system that works for you. Yeah, yeah, so, sure. Thank you. Blair's presentation, he mentioned that um, our performance measures table and we've done our best. So this comes from the 2015 plan. Um, this is really what we had to, what we were basing our uh, performance measures off of. And as Blair noted, um, we did um, modify a couple things. Um, I do, so pavement conditions, and I'm gonna go through each, each of these one by one. Um, and, you know, this is, sounds like there's, there's a lot of questions about the pavement condition index. Uh, I do think, though, that um, it does give us a lot of good information. If we're going down, that's a message for council to say, you know, 
um, that's one of the benefits of tracking progress, right? If we're not meeting our goal or if we're trending down, um, then it'll, it's, it's a good data point um, to where we have that conversation with council about what to do about it. So, yeah, just had a quick comment on this one because we've we've had this conversation in depth before. I mean, it's yeah, it's great. It's a it's a good index, but then which roads? You know, I think um, Julia had like, talked at one point, it was just arterials. And frankly, a lot of people are saying it's it's the road in front of their house. Bonita got annexed into the city of Kirkland. There's a lot of bad law, backlogs with with that. And so for me, it's, just, it's still lacking. You know, is it, you know, is there an index for local streets versus arterials and seeing a little more differentiation on that? Because, you know, people are going to look at it. It's not just the main road, which, which are some of them pretty bad on the 32nd. It's pretty bad, but I think it's, it's just a little bit more like, you know, it's, it's like the thing where you have one foot in cold water and one other foot in hot water and it's great. It's warm, right? It's, it's, you don't get a, a really good picture in terms of like the, the main roads versus local roads, you know, and, and stuff like that. So it's a quality of life issue. I'm saying before I move on to the other measures um, that you won't see up here because I'm responding to these um, uh, um, to these categories, um, I should have mentioned this before I started. Is the is the safety measure that you'll notice that Blair had in our current performance report? Um, one thing I will mention is that um, we are, and in fact, we had this really amazing presentation today from um, uh, uh, someone in our IT department that's putting together a dashboard for us. Um, they're kind of working on a public facing one, um, and it shows a heat map. Um, it shows trends. We can, there's kind of, we can query by bike and ped, um, and different, um, severities of crashes. Um, and so that's really exciting. Um, we've, we're talking internally about how often we would, um, refresh that data and do it quarterly, um, you know, annually at minimum, but we could probably even do it monthly. Um, and so that is very exciting. And then we'll be working with them on kind of our internal tools. Um, how can we use this to help our, and so, um, the, so while you don't see the safety up here, um, we are working on making, um, that data available and dynamic and, um, easier to see and, um, access on our website. We can talk about that. So I do want to move on. Um, um, actually, one, oh, sure. one thing on the pavement condition. Okay. I think, yeah, keeping the arterial and collector streets up there, great. Mm -hmm. I know we it's hard to measure the pavement quality on every single street in the city because we have so many miles of roadway. But having some sort of sense in there of where we are at with local streets so we don't forget them mm -hmm. um, is also important because, you know, looking at the design life of those streets, how often we maintain them as we were talking about before with, are we, is our trajectory so far apart that we can't maintain them? Yes. But making sure that we aren't focusing solely on the major streets. Great. We take a step back for a second. Just, just for me, I think, you know, what we've talked about in the past has been this disconnect between prioritization and performance metric to see if we're, we're progressing as the way we are. You know, I know the, the prioritization ship has sailed, but I think one of the aspirations has been, well, measure, you know, why are data available so that we can do more quantitative driven sort of decision making rather than just qualitatively saying, okay, here's a score 10, here's five. It's, it's kind of hard to track. Like, did we actually 
select the projects that actually are going to achieve our our metrics, right? So it's kind of like this. You know, somehow, I'm, I'm, if you can talk to how you, we're, we're going to try to link, or should we be linking? Like, how is this performance metric going to help us? These performance metrics that we're, we're choosing to help us um, uh, drive this policy decisions. That's that we're in charge of. I, um, before you answered, um, I do want to know that's one of the reasons why I did want to put the, I gave you all a copy of the goals just so you kind of have it in front of you as we have this discussion and the discussion about project packaging. Um, the, uh, um, you know, it does go, I, I do want to make sure to differentiate the project prioritization is specifically for projects. This is more kind of full plan wide kind of going back to our policies, right? And so, um, and some of these are, you know, pretty straightforward, or at least for the first one, safety, you know, are we trending in the right direction to, to vision zero? Um, but, and, you know, I guess you're talking about kind of making that connection. And, and it, again, it, it kind of goes back to our, how do we make something that's replicable, um, that's, um, not too cumbersome, that still um, helps us track our goals, um, but th that we also have the data for. And so if we're not making that connection, then I think we need to task ourselves with how do we acquire that data to make that connection, and then we can update the performance measures over time. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that um, some data has – they data often has costs. It has the procurement costs in the, in the beginning, and then it has ongoing costs. And we're starting to experience that as we increase our technology citywide. Um, we have smart cities. And as we bring on the more cameras for signals and more sensors for parking, and all of these things have ongoing costs. If we bring in other data sources like Strava, for instance, that's been brought up in this, you know, we would have to kind of pay for that over time. And so it's, there's a, a little bit of a balance. Um, and so we're just going to have to talk about it a little bit more. I also think, um, Commissioner Rue, you're getting at kind of the feedback loop uh, that, you know, we, and this is kind of the planning process, right? We identify a problem, we come up with some alternatives, we pick an alternative, we implement it, we monitor it, and then we adjust as we need to. And so that's absolutely built into what we're doing. Um, Kim brought up earlier the five-year check-in. So there's, uh, we plan under the state law, the Growth Management Act. Um, they've changed recently the timing of adoption for comp plans. It's now a 10-year period, but there's a five-year required check-in. And so that is actually, I think, a good change because it, it used to be seven years and then it was eight years and now it's 10 with a five-year midpoint check-in. And that gives us this opportunity to, I think, do a better job of the kind of monitoring and adjusting that I think you're you're pointing out. And so um, obviously we need to, as Kim has mentioned, have the data available and make it a replicable process. Uh, but I do think that the framework that we're building is getting at that. And so while it might not be ex like precisely perfect, it, I think we have a good framework that we can um, keep track of our progress and then adjust as we need to every, every couple of years. And so um, I think that's part of the intent of this. So I did also want to mention a, a comment um, Chair McGee uh, brought up about uh, the local roads. So um, when when thinking about maintenance, um, it is really a, a question of resource allocation. And there are lots and lots of needs in the system. And that's the case with all jurisdictions. Um, my, my previous employer, uh, we had lots and lots of really, really poorly um, conditioned roads. The PCIs were in the tens. 
Um, and uh, there's so many that it's almost like where you start. And so, uh, and and we did look at local roads in my um, previous job. And so um, it becomes a really uh, hard question of how much do you allocate and then where do you allocate that? Because you could, you could spend your entire literally entire budget on preservation <laughs> and you would see no new facilities. You would just be maintaining what you have. So there is some, you know, some uh, balancing there of, of addressing the real needs. Absolutely. Uh, but also keeping that context of um, kind of the bigger picture too. So it's a tricky one for sure. Yeah. And I think my, my comment on the local roads was making sure that the city has an understanding of the broader system in some way or another, whether it's by design life of like, Hey, we did something for Sixth Street. It is good for the next twenty years, and it, it's in a queue. Um, but I think the the kind of the proactive question to answer is why is that street being maintained and mine isn't? Mm -hmm. And so, being able to have a justification for which streets are getting that maintenance, and if it's kind of well, we saw this one here, and it's just kind of on the fly for this year. I I don't believe that's how it goes. Um, it's very thoughtful and kind of worked through, but if it's not clearly documented in the plan, like other streets are, even if the approach is different, you know, it's just kind of making sure that we still have something in there to cover. Yeah. Can I add one piece just to follow up? Um, I was reading through the community engagement that I know we're talking about later, and you see people saying, my road, please, please do something about my road. So just thinking about it purely as someone accessing this new, huge, amazing body of work, um, to Brian's point, just showing the justification so that the community can understand how these decisions are being made. Um, and then just one note on the Strava piece, I believe it is free for cities. They changed that in 2020, unless something has changed since then. And I have access to it, like you can apply for it. So if, if there's community partnerships, um, you know, I'm thinking about East Trail partners and other community partners, um, they can get access to that. So. It's great to know. I have it if Thanks. the city wants to look at it. <laughs> I'll mention we, we produced these annual progress report infographics because the 2015 TMP said that they wanted some annual thing. So I'll just offer the idea because we're updating the TSP, perhaps maybe what people want instead is some dashboard that is updated that's online. Maybe it's not an actual once a year snapshot report in this way. So just offering the idea, even maybe thinking, you don't have to even replicate what this was. Yeah, I think actually we actually talked about that last year, right? In terms of doing something like that. But uh, I'll just go back to, instead of being constrained by, this is what we have today, I, I thought we would have a chance to actually look at fresh, a fresh look at it and perhaps identify if there's any gaps and then go from there. So I don't think we should be just maintaining what, because this is what we have, this is what we're going to report out on or can report out on. I think it should be a, a, a good start to say, well, what are some gaps? Because I think we've talked as a group kind of you know, some some gaps and so forth that we say, hey, you know what? Is there a better way of doing it? It's better show what the story is to, to everyone else. Yeah, thank you. And I do I do think an important part of the conversation is what we have now and kind of what the framework that we have built because there is a lot of efficiencies there. Um, but yeah, we can definitely, there is room to talk about how to improve that and what else we want to add to that. But I think as a, a good starting point, it's let's go from what we have and then and then see where we can um, adjust, so. It's a great segue. Um, I do kind of want to get through some of these and we can, um, so the one side of school walk routes, um, these are specific school walk routes that were um, you know, uh, developed in coordination with the school districts. Um, those were, uh, are pretty, um, those are pretty much all 
complete. I don't know where that point one or that one percent is, but um, the you know one thing that um, we could do instead, and I know that I'm hearing you loud and clear that this just kind of tracking progress um, is not necessarily what you want to see, but just I'll kind of give some kind of um, thoughts here and then let you talk about it. Um, we could go and um, track our progress of the, um, the Safe Routes to School projects. There's a you know finite number of them. We're slowly working on them through the Transportation Benefit District, and you know the goal is to get those those completed and finished, and it provides something that's very clear. We have a map. We have a list of projects, and what and we can talk about how we're demonstrating progress towards that plan. Um, so that's one suggestion. Um, the 10 minute neighborhoods concept is not um, being updated um, for the comprehensive plan this time around. Um, and the analysis during that time um, when that was first developed um, did use like existing business licenses, existing businesses at that time. Um, and it was quite a lot of work that went into that. And so that's not being replicated. And there are a lot of businesses that have closed and uh, moved and changed since then. And um, we're, we kind of are doing the inverse of that in terms of looking at, um, you know, access to um, transit, um, access to our activity centers. And so, um, you know, I didn't, um, I, I don't think that necessarily the 10 minute neighborhoods is something that we want to track. And then Blair's, you know, um, progress report shows that there's progress towards that anyway. Um, the light deficient sidewalks, um, Again, you know that they're they're finite. We we've we've identified where they're light deficient. Um, they, um, you know, we could we could keep that. And then I'll, I'll go to the next one just to summarize, and then I'll kind of hand it over. Um, in terms of the, um, you know, the the bike facilities, um, one of the questions that was brought up earlier was that um, there are we really making progress and. Our, our bike network is dense. And so as we make progress, that percentage doesn't go up as high as it does when we have like fewer numbers of projects. And the neighborhood greenways, and that was brand new when we had our, um, in 2015. So we started from zero. Um, and so making progress on that, we're, I mean, sure, 10 years, 20% or 18%. Um, it's moving pretty slowly, but um, kind of slowly picking away at that. Um, I will note that um, since the, these measures were based on the 2015 plan, since then our active transportation plan significantly increased the number of the network, the bicycle network and the greenways network. And so that will even get, that percentage will get even smaller as compared to the full network. And so, um, you know, maybe to Blair's point, there could be other ways of communicating that with your maps or, um, you know, some other ways other than just percentages. Um, so I'll stop with those two. Um, okay, actually, no, I lied. Um, let me just kind of get through some thoughts and then I'll just hand it over so you guys can all respond. The, um, the passenger environment, um, we don't control um, Metro and where, where they put shelters. Um, we coordinate with them, but I'm not sure that that's actually a, um, a measure that we should you know, be monitoring for ourselves because we don't, we can't do anything about it. Um, one thing that has come up and is a goal in our active transportation plan is um, for sidewalks on both sides of the street on transit routes. Um, again, that's very clear. 
Um, there's a finite number. We can track progress towards that. We can clearly identify where those remaining gaps are, how they're prioritized. Um, yeah. And um, the I, as Blair mentioned, the transit implementation plan completion, you know, kind of, you know, this is again kind of theme. And then lastly, um, um, you know, we there are some, um, we have our, our, our new ITS plan. We can track progress towards that. How how are we are we getting through these projects? Um, and then kind of project highlights. So I will stop. <laughs> Um, so just a couple comments just on the transit one, for instance. Um, is there a way to get a bus ridership information door counters from King County Metro or Sound Transit? Because I think, you know, they, they, they collect that for federal, uh, federal funding and so forth. But I think, you know, I think when we're talking about performance metrics and so forth, it, you know, looking from the person, the user, the customer that's actually using transit, bus shelter is not going to be the one that, well, it's great to have a bus shelter, but that's not going to be the, the indicator of service, right? Of, of am I going to use service? And so for me as a city, I kind of want to know, even if it's out of my jurisdiction in terms of that, it's still my, it's still my, my customers, my public constituents uh, view of like, well, how good is the service? You know? And I think, especially in, in light of the recent years where services have been cut back, great, uh, you know, the, 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 the Metro flex thing doing when you, it, I mean, it shows there's different things being done, but so I think somehow being able to capture it, even if it's not our preview, that can help us as a city say, okay, well, we mean we should be engaging Metro or if Metro can't deliver more transit uh, usage, which is what we're trying to strive for, then maybe perhaps we should do something on our own or, or, or do something different uh, from that. So just, just that instead of just, and a lot of these metrics I understand is, is what are we building? What are we maintaining? It's easy to count. But at the end of the day, I kind of want to see if we can strive or at least try to think of, of the, the usage of it, right? We were building a bike network. Where are actually people using the bike network? How many users? I know there isn't, uh, you know, it costs, it's costly to monitor for that. But ultimately, is there ways to, to get to the, are people using what we're trying to encourage usage of? The um, transit data we can get. I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I saw, I'm like, bus shelter, that's great, but you know what, my neighbor's saying, my bus is not here, you know. So even having, how many routes are served, how many how many routes have been, you know, dismissed or performance, performance how many bus stops are there really now? And then the door counts, I think it's going to be a big thing. I mean, it's for us to tell King County Metro, like, look, we're paying our taxes and are we getting, we're seeing a uh, different trend. As well as Metro doing in our city. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I I think one thing that we've talked about a lot as a commission is, you know, our transit network can only handle so much through single occupancy vehicles and kind of tracking the ridership of transit is really one of those metrics to make sure that we are effectively, you know, getting a greater portion of that percentage of trips through transit or, you know, through other means if we can collect them um, and prove that they are, they're increasing. To answer your question about the, the bike facilities one i mean if we if we get that smart grant and we're able to track at a bunch of signalized intersections that would be great yeah, yeah, yeah. um of course people would have to bike through we could choose a couple representative corridors track a greenway here yeah. bike facility there and then you know these are representative places yeah. where we can kind of track over time and maybe that's something that we do with these permanent counters or something like that so but citywide, that would be 
Oh, yeah. Maybe that's a goal. In fact. No, that's good. I mean, that's a start. You know, <laughs> maybe we'll find that the metric is all you know useful on that front, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It mentions just building sidewalks on both sides, and you know, I live in Juanita. Uh, I live in the proximity of of Northeast One Twenty Fourth Street, and so the two fifty five runs on that. It's an arterial. Uh, I believe it's five lanes, and it. Uh, I don't walk on the sidewalks on. Northeast 124th, it's a six foot sidewalk next to a high speed five lane road. So just because there's a sidewalk, just because there's a sidewalk on both sides does not mean that residents, residents with small children want to walk immediately next to traffic. So, so I, you know, take issue with that a little. So maybe you're your thought more is not just does a facility exist, but the quality of it. Yeah. You say, well, we built a sidewalk. That doesn't mean people will use it. We built a five foot shoulder bike lane. Why is it no one riding in it? You know, I think the, the facility matters. And the absence of a facility absolutely matters as well. Cause without the facility, there's essentially zero. Well, but yeah. And I guess to me, a five foot shoulder bike lane is, the same as no bike lane. Thank you. The time. I know that we they will have more opportunity to talk about this one. Um, there any? Well, I don't mean to um, take over for you, Chair McGee, but are there any other comments? <laughs> Anyone online? We can't see if you raise your hand in the room, so. I'll do a quick check. I'll just say I really agree with what Ryan just said. This is Faith. Uh, I'd just like to say, yeah, I also agree with the idea that a five-foot shoulder bike lane really isn't a bike facility. Just... As we're thinking about this, um, and then Kim, you're saying there'd be a chance to come back with with further thoughts. Um, would that like just be helpful in a next meeting if we're thinking about something and want to share that? Share it with the two of you, or um, is that the appropriate venue for that? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you can always email us at any any time. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you for that. Um, do want to um, talk a little bit. I hope you all have um, played around and made comments in our public engagement web map. Blair, will you do me a favor and hit escape on the, um, I want to hit escape. Yeah, I want to, um, and then hit control. control. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> um, so um, just uh, um, we have, um, are very excited about, we've had a lot of great comments on things, um, about this public engagement web map. Um, we worked hard to find, oh, and by the way, um, does everybody know Fred who's been quietly sitting beside me? I've been most of you, I think. I, I, 
<laughs> um, before we we were kind of in the involved in this um our performance measure, we all kind of dove in. But would you mind before we get into kind of the, the rest of the TSP, introduce yourself for sure. those of you that haven't met you yet? Uh, <laughs> uh, Fred Young, I'm with Parametrics, um, working with Doug and Kimberly and others on developing the a lot of the background information for the TSP. Fred's being modest. They've done so much work. On um, the parametrics team has done a ton of work um, helping us get these projects together, really uh, making um, making helping to make this happen. Um, and so um, having the features where um, people um, are able to click on a project and hit like or I don't like it, um, tell us more, um, and um, um, and also being able to drag um, drag a comment. Um, and so I, I hope you all are very familiar with this. Um, so far, um, we get reports every Friday. And so as of last Friday, um, there were over um, 1,300, almost 1,400 visits. 834 people made comments. 834 people made 688 comments on existing projects. And so, as I mentioned, they are able to hit likes and I don't like and leave some comments. So um, over a thousand likes, almost 200 dislikes. Um, and then on the projects that tell me more, um, there were 251 of those. And then in addition, um, there are 202 additional ideas where somebody were to drag the, the comment. Um, and even those had some likes and dislikes to those. So what we'll be, what we'll be doing with this data, and this is kind of the big question um, that we want to make sure that um, we're answering and addressing um, because people have been very excited to share their comments and we want to don't want to disappoint. Um, so we are looking to identify if there are new projects that we should add to our list. Um, the, so the public comment period closes tomorrow. Um, you saw the numbers where you have to go through all of those and um, kind of tag them by themes. Uh, we didn't have the um, the community, um, you know, kind of identify their own themes because sometimes it could be a little off kilter. We would have to come up with a long list and then people might, we would have to review them anyway. So we're going to be going through and identifying what those themes are, if there are new projects or potential gaps. Um, we will be summarizing the themes. Um, um, we can we will summarize this for council in terms of um, how well are people supporting our individual projects. Um, for instance, there were about um, maybe a little over ten, maybe not quite fifteen projects that had over um, over ten comments um, or likes or dislikes. Um, and, you know, for the most part, it's kind of one or two or four. Um, and so kind of summarizing a little bit of that, how well do we do? Are there projects that people really dislike? Um, and then there are quite a few um, comments that what I would call um, a service request. Um, and so these are the types of things where somebody says like, hey, there's, there's this, I wish I want to, I want to stop sign here, or I can't look, there's a site distance issue, they're speeding on my street. Um, and so these are the types of things that kind of go into our day-to-day our -day work, mostly are for our engineering team, and they'll go out. And so the idea here is that we will, we will record these 
And um, it might take us some time um, other than, you know, when you put in a service request through our website, um, there's a there's a responsibility for us to um, kind of really address them and, and get back to, we won't be getting back to every individual for the, you know, hundreds of service requests, um, but we will kind of put them in a queue. Um, so as our engineers are out in the field, um, can kind of take a look and slowly start ticking these off. Um, the new projects or the potential gaps, those are those candidates that we might um, put into a capital project list. Um, so those are, that's how we plan to um, distill this data and, um, and um, yeah, for council. Stop there. I see a couple of people. Yeah, I gotta say the service request stuff is fast. I mean, this city, you know, and that's you know, public works, you know, hands hats off. You know, I think that's a story I think needs to be included because it is this city does a really good job at it. I mean, I remember one of the stop signs posts got got done that same afternoon. So I am like I said, I think it's those are the kind of metrics I wish we can include because I think that's very helpful because you know, people don't understand maintenance versus capital. They understand that there's something wrong with the road or something wrong with the sidewalk and somebody's fixing it. So thank you. Um just to reiterate that we do have a fabulous team that that really does a good job and and uh, sitting at the table, Kim handles Q alerts, Victoria online handles a lot of Q alerts. We call them Q alerts. Uh they that's the program in the background for our Kirkland, which is how people a lot of times contact the city. Um, it takes a lot of effort, um, and uh, we are very responsive. So, yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. Um, so I'm going to pass it off to Doug because figured by this point, sure. basically talking anyway. You kind of before we move on, are there any other questions on community outreach at this point in time? Okay, not a question, but just I, I think kudos for doing that and putting that together. And I know that must've been a ton of work to list all those projects and for people to go through. I, I was kind of going through and trying to read and look at likes and dislikes and people were very engaged. And I think that just um, the city did a great job with social media to put it out there. So just again, celebrate some wins here. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, this is very tech savvy. I'm looking at my parents because they are like, what are you talking about? And so I'm just wondering uh, how are you doing in terms of you know, outside of something that's, you know, clicking like and dislikes, is there other ways the city's engaging in some feedback? We always um, look for alternative ways to engage the public. Um, sometimes it is hard with a body of work like the project list. Um, but I think for the folks that uh, may not have as much of the tech savviness as others, the draft plan is the best way to get involved with that. There's going to be a document coming shortly and, and it will be very tangible for folks. And of course, when we go through the legislative review process with city council, there's gonna be lots of opportunities there as well to provide input. Um, we will try to promote that as we go. And, uh, but this was one of the big efforts that we had. But yeah, thank you. Um, and and to, to Commissioner Goodman's point about the level of effort, there, it was a huge team effort. And um, the parametrics team, Kim, Victoria, uh, we had an intern involved as well. And there's just a lot of people involved and um, lots of heavy lifting there. Some of it was a lot of tedious work. Um, but you know, it ended up with a really good list and that's kind of what we wanted the community to engage with. So thank you for acknowledging that as well. Um, so that's kind of a good segue for me to talk about what we do with the project list next. So um, on the title of this slide, we have packaging of projects. And so what we mean with that uh, is um, we have this humongous list of projects. It's over 450 uh, long. Uh, and this is the case again with all jurisdictions, you have lots of needs in the system and 
not nearly enough resources to do all of them. So we call that living within a financially constrained environment. So what, what our job is uh, on the staff level is to make sure that we are prioritizing projects. And that's kind of that, um, go to the next slide. The first filter and what we're doing is using that prioritization framework to score projects to get a rough sort. So it's kind of the course filter, right? So you get this first sorting of projects and you kind of see some spread, you see top to bottom, one through in, um, you know, the high priority projects and then the low priority projects. Um, and then the next filter, and this is probably the more important part uh, in how we uh, end up creating a draft plan is we start to package those projects. And what we mean when we say that is um, focusing on priorities. So what are the kind of themes to, to Kim's previous slide um, that we're hearing from the community as well as commission and council uh, for priorities that we want to achieve with our projects? So we'll get the rough sort with the, the one through N prioritization. And then we can look at things like, what does it look like if you emphasize transit access? What does it look like if you emphasized climate? What does it look like if you emphasized safety or active transportation, those types of elements. And then uh, what we would do with that is we'd take the broad prioritization framework and elevate higher ranking projects of certain types. So transit access is a good example of that where, um, I'll just kind of skip ahead to the next one. Uh, as an example, what we would look at is a sampling of projects that are really transit focused in nature and then elevating those to a higher tier. Um, some of them might already be in the high tier, but elevating a lot of them so that you get a package of projects that really gets at that priority. What we don't want to have happen is have a conversation about the scope of every project. And so what you do when you focus on priorities is you kind of take the focus from that really fine-grained detail and look at what are we trying to achieve. And so um, in my experience, that's the best way to communicate with council who's going to be adopting this. Uh, they can apply their filter, which going back one slide is kind of that final filter. What's the kind of political perspectives here? There's going to be pet projects. There's going to be things that others will want to add in addition to all of that. And so through that kind of three-part process, we come up with hopefully a really objective and really strong list of projects because again, we cannot do everything. We just, there's just not enough money in, in the in the world to do that. And so um, prioritization is an incredibly important part of getting to a draft plan. This is again for 20 years. Uh, so at the end of the 20 years, we will hopefully have accomplished a lot of those goals and then look at the next 20 years worth of projects because there's always going to be something. Um, so one other thing on this slide to, to mention is that uh, it is also possible to just say, you know what, we don't really care about any specific priorities, but let's just do one through N and just say the top ranking projects are the ones that we just want to carry forward. So um, what we want to do with uh, commission tonight is to get a sense of um, what kinds of projects we want or what kinds of project packages we want to uh, present to council, because at the 19th of March, we are going to go to council with some beginnings of that of that work. And so hopefully the conversation here tonight can lead us to some really solid ideas around packaging. So I'll uh, stop talking and uh, open it up for questions on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll kick us off here. I was thinking about this over the weekend and jotted down a few categories. Um, one safety I also had down on my list to where, you know, that's kind of very clear. It may score well in the prioritization process already, but if there's other factors that don't raise it up, but it's still a safety issue, we it should be higher in priority. Um, so that's a good list to have. I I think that 
the um, the other categories you have up are good. One that what I would consider an addition would be opportunities to address, say, critical links or gaps in our network, um, because those may sprinkle throughout. But when we look at our transportation system as a whole, that is one of the key pieces that helps capacity flow through. And, and so if we aren't addressing some of those key points, it may not be a long list, but it's just kind of a quick check for us to make sure we're, we're hitting that bar. Is it fair to say that um, you're getting at kind of efficiencies of building out like a fuller network in certain areas that makes sense? Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of, it's almost, you know, if you consider the CKC, if we had a gap in the CKC, no one's going to use it. And, and so it's, that's kind of an extreme example, but it really speaks to how people travel from point A to point B. through as well i'm a little confused are we trying to do top down or do like super packages like like little like take out some that are just clustered together and and highlighting those or yeah actually it's a good question <laughs> um, you know what what might be good is if i can actually talk about costs and revenues because that that plays into this and i probably should have uh done that um, initially so i mentioned earlier we're working within a financially constrained environment we have um needs that will total a huge amount of dollars and not enough dollars to do those so um when we look at revenues we are making assumptions for the 20 years uh we have we we have to uh so we have worked with our financial uh finance team on uh uh, budget projections, and they, uh, we together have identified the revenue sources that we want to assume in the 20 years. That includes impact fees, real estate excise tax, gas tax, business license fees, solid waste fees, surface water fees, and the street levy. Um, and then if you look at historically what we've been um, uh, getting in revenues in those funds, and then you project out assuming kind of macro, macro <laughs> things and inflation and, and all of that, uh, we're looking at actually about uh, $317 million over 20 years, and that amounts to just under $16 million annually. Uh, and that's a pretty healthy um, uh, amount of money to invest in the system, but again, it will not solve everything. And so um, that's kind of the, the universe that we've been put into. So that's, we call it kind of drawing the line on the list. So we, again, we have this prioritized list. We're going to get cost estimates on this slide. Um, uh, so we're working with the parametrics team right now on uh, identifying uh, how we're going to go about getting cost estimates for all the projects. Uh, at this point in time, because it is a 20-year list, we are looking at planning level cost estimates. That means that you're assuming the scopes are pretty conceptual. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, some of the projects that, that are closer to implementation will have more specific details around the scope. Uh, but generally speaking, over 20 years, we have a planning level scope. Uh, we are also excluding right-of-way costs. There's, again, because these are planning level, we do not have enough detail to have more specific costs uh, for right-of-way acquisition. Um, and then, uh, again, to kind of acknowledge that uh, these are, in a lot of way, conceptual, um, we want to have ranges of costs for each project so that we don't give a false sense of specificity or precision. Uh, we're going to say, we're going to get a cost estimate and then essentially put a range of 10% below the estimate and 30% above the estimate, again, to acknowledge that the costs are, are an estimate. Um, we also just one quick note, um, there are some changing stormwater regulations and uh, Chair McGee is smiling because uh, he lives this every day. So um, in 2027, the so I'll back up the Clean Water Federal Clean Water Act. 
um, uh, sets forth how water is discharged, uh, stormwater, uh, and systems. And so every state has a permit and the counties then implement that permit and it creates regulations around how we handle stormwater runoff. Um, and those are changing, they're becoming more strict. So they will go into effect in 2027 and we're anticipating a pretty significant increase in costs related to stormwater facilities for transportation projects. That's detention facilities and, and all everything that goes into that. Um, and so I wanted to just call it out because it is going to impact uh, our project list. Um, in some cases, we're looking at 40% additional costs, um, potentially somewhere in that range, down to probably about 20 on the low end. So um, big, big impacts to these large projects. So, um, so when you think of revenues, again, we have the 317 million over 20 years, about 16 million annually. And then you look at all the ways that we're going about costs, that creates this this situation where we have the prioritized list and we have the cost of each project and we go down the list until we run out of the funds. And above the line is our quote unquote funded list and below the line is our unfunded list. So that's why this whole process is important. And hopefully that kind of gets at your question, Commissioner Vu, about um, what we're doing, but. No, I was, so you're presenting, yeah, the this is, the bottom line, but what's the alternative? Because you, you talk about a funding package. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what the difference between what you're proposing is. Just draw the line where the prioritization stops. What's the alternative? Yeah. Okay. So um, when we have exactly what you just said, we can, within that framework where we draw the line above the line, we can prioritize and emphasize projects that get at certain priorities. So again, using transit as an example, if we have transit access projects that are not scoring as high in that overall list, we can say, well, we really want to prioritize that type of work and move them up so that we can have a package of projects that, that actually further emphasizes transit access. So it's so, so, so zero-sum game. So if you do a package, then you are taking some, some other stuff off. Exactly. So those are the hard decisions. So we're getting, this is where the rubber meets the road. And um, this is these are the hard decisions that we're going to be talking about eventually with council um, about what do you show as funded um, again, in this financially constrained environment, we can't do everything. So what are the projects that we want to carry forward in our plan and, and assume that we'll build over 20 years? And council can decide if they just want to do top-down prioritization, you know, yeah. through town. But um, that's another way that we can help fold in the public engagement process. Um, so, and that's where a lot of the themes come in, right? You know, 90% of the people said safety is the most important thing. And then that maybe we start weighting some of the safety scores and that kind of elevates some projects and kind of reorder some of the prioritization a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sort of like it kind of diffuses the, the scoring method a little bit and kind of you're trying to emphasize something else. I, to me, it seems kind of like, a, again, it's a zero-sum game. It's like, it's almost like, are we arbitrarily, are you trying to ask if we want arbitrarily say, well, let's just pick climate change and do that or pick... So I, it seems kind of, for for me at least personally, like like you know, I think we've, I think the scoring was supposed to reflect that rather than trying to say oh, now all of a sudden we're like, well, we wanted the climate change uh, theme for for the for this time around. So I'm I'm just a little, I thought that for me at least personally, I, I think that prioritization scoring was supposed to kind of be that rather than trying to all of a sudden say here's a package. But it, I mean, if you guys find it that from a public feedback, that's fine. But like for, for me personally, I'm like I, I don't. 
it's kind of it's kind of picking something over like picking your second child over your first child. Like, oh, I really want to. Well, I guess what I would hear you saying then is you're kind of an advocate for the top to bottom prioritization. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to understand the other one. I'm like, okay. Right. One through N is kind of what I'm hearing. And and so um what we're saying is the reality of that is that um sometimes as we go through the process, right, there's going to be a political filter applied yeah. to this and, and hey, we got to do this project for X reasons and it doesn't score high, but we're going to do it. Any and so it's trying to acknowledge that this list will be um, tweaked and massaged and molded over time. And so it's a starting point kind of on this slide. We have that first, that course filter of the first run of the prioritization. And then we're trying to, with the packaging, acknowledge that there might be some priorities that we want to talk about and achieve um, you know, separately or in relation or sorry, not in relation, but um, uh, related to the first round of prioritization. So it's kind of a further refining of the list. Um, but absolutely, it could be the case that we just go one through in and that's that's okay too. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of that. It's just um, we're trying to recognize that this will be a, go, go through several rounds of, uh, you know, uh, review and comment, so. Mayor Curtis um, at the last study session mentioned that, you know, the prioritization is a is a tool. It's not necessarily the decision maker completely. And so this is also a way for us to, you know, give council some examples of, um, we've, we've heard from the public, here's another way you might look at it. And so using prioritization as a tool um, and again, you know, they could decide to go top down, um, but then they might want some examples from like themes from public engagement. What does the public want? How are we responding to that? Because um, I mentioned, you know, when we talked about the public comment, we want to make sure that we're thoughtful about what we were hearing from the community as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. And Patrick, I'm just going to comment real quick. Patrick, that was a really good question because I I was assuming that the list would be one through n and then there might be effective like tags to where you could filter and then you would see say on the you know the safety list which projects are above the funding line which ones are below and then being able to just see that short list then maybe they decide one of them below the short list below the funding line is one that someone wants to move up so it's effectively not reordering the list but it's giving them the short list of those categories so that they can use that to kind of make their decisions. Yeah, I think that's a different take on it for sure. But um, yeah, something we can consider. And, and that might be helpful in a scenario where you are one through N, where you are tagging and saying, okay, this, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. This is Faith. I have a question, comment. Um, I, I'm thinking about, like we're, we're, we're doing this speed limit study this year. And if, you know, we determine speeds need to be lowered on certain corridors, um, but we know that just changing a speed limit doesn't necessarily yield reduced speeds, um, that it takes um, changes to the street itself to really make that happen. And so my, what I'm wondering about is just sort of the timing of things, you know, if this is a, this is a 20 year plan and then we learned this year that, oh, it would have been nice to do a bunch of projects this way to address speeds. Um, are those ideas that are getting generated or uh, requested to address um, speeds, like when do those come into play? 
Uh, yeah, that's a, a good question. Thank you, Commissioner DeBolt. Um, the, so just to clarify, we do currently have a speed limit policy, so we're not creating a new one. It's a, a revision of the existing. So, so I think that that's definitely part of what we've already kind of um, considered. Uh, the good thing is, in, in a, I mentioned a little bit earlier about this uh, new framework uh, in the state law, the Growth Management Act, where we have a 10-year adoption requirement with a five-year check-in. I think that gives us the ability to change over time and adjust um, our, our project list. Again, um, because we're doing a 20-year list, the way that this, you know, the way that we are approaching this is uh, this is really the heavy lifting that will streamline a process uh, that feeds into the six-year transportation improvement program, which feeds into the two-year budgeting for capital projects. So um, this, this idea that we're going to be able to refine those projects over time in terms of scope. Uh, you know, cost estimates, all of that work. Um, and so it's, I don't want to give the sense that this is like set in stone. It, it is by nature going to be refined over time. Um, so it's not like we'll miss, you know, miss the boat or anything like that. I think um, hopefully that comes across. The other thing I would add to that is that there are, um, we do have programs. So our neighborhood traffic control program, our neighborhood safety program, um, there are other opportunities um, where we can do, um, you know, incremental changes. Um, you know, you know, we're going out to look at speeds. We can, you know, there are, are there are also opportunities with existing projects that we do have on the list. Um, we're not, um, you know, the the project descriptions are are, um, you know, we can have an opportunity over time to say, hey, we once you get into the design of our project too. Um, so there are a couple of opportunities to kind of um, massage it a little bit and then also the opportunity with our programs. So, so Doug, I just want to understand, so like at the five-year check-in, that could be an opportunity to revisit the priorities of the projects and would that also be an opportunity to look at projects that are unfunded? Yeah, I would say that. Um, so first of all, uh, we haven't done the five-year check-in, so this is all new. So I think all the jurisdictions will be kind of figuring it out as, as we go. Um, but I do think it's an opportunity to do exactly what you said, to, to, to look at what wasn't funded and should it be elevated or should a group of projects be elevated? Those are the things that will change over time. Absolutely, the five-year check-in, I think we can reevaluate that. Um, I don't know if we'd go through the full um, process that we did that we're doing right now. That, that's um, you know probably not likely, but uh, a version of that and a reevaluation of where we're at is, I think, definitely on the table. Um, but again, it, it'll be new for everybody, so we'll kind of <laughs> be carving a path. Um, I was gonna say I, I read how you were packaging the projects different. I think than you guys were interpreting it, and I was seeing it as. The going through by prioritization is a very quantitative way to score these projects, and this allows for a little bit more color and that qualitative feedback. So I appreciated the proposed packages that you listed. Um, I, I agree with all of them. I, I think one question I had with the climate-focused one is it's just very hard to quantify the impact of a particular project on, you know, a, a transit-oriented project could have a very big impact on climate versus like a bike lane one harder to quantify that. So I just anticipate that maybe being some challenges. I, I I love that as a package, but I just, I think there could be some challenges there. And then um, the one I had listed, and I think you guys are already there, um, 
was just saying projects that are prioritized by the community. And it sounds like you were going to take that community engagement piece and maybe put it by theme. But if a theme in and of itself could just be, we heard loud and clear from the community that this is a need and um, whether it's urgency or um, or lots of voices, you know, many ways you could measure community priority. But I think that would be a really valuable package in and of itself. Yeah, great feedback. Thank you. Um, and I think, you know, Kim kind of mentioned some of the projects there were a dozen or so that got a lot of support. And so that could be something that we do apply as well. Um, yeah, good, good comment. This is Faith. I have another comment about the packages here. Um, something that I was thinking about with a, a transit um, related transit themed package in you know, prioritization is um, the risk of the city tries to prioritize things that support transit, but the county doesn't respond by in increasing service. Yes, uh, <laughs> great, great, great comment. Thank you, Commissioner DeBolt. Um, uh, I think we we might have talked about this a couple meetings ago, but uh, you know, Metro. Uh, King County Metro, uh, they do have uh, a service guidelines document which outlines how and where they provide service, and um, it's very much about what is on the ground. And they are they they are um, very very uh, supportive of transit supportive projects. We, him, Victoria, myself, have been in lots of meetings about the K line, uh, rapid ride K line. Uh, if you haven't heard of that, uh, it's a bus rapid transit project that's connecting Eastgate to Totem Lake. And um, uh, they have a, we've been working with them on transit access as well as speed and reliability projects. And there's a huge list of capital projects and they are very, very, very supportive of the transit supportive project. So I, I don't, while, while it is technically a risk because we are not a transit agency, um, I, I think that in that specific case, um, by us providing that investment, we do really get support from Metro. Um, hopefully I said that right. I might have rambled a little bit and I apologize, but um, I think Metro sees that and they they really respond well to that kind of investment. Okay, thanks. Yeah, thank you. So I have just kind of a very high level question. It may not be something that you wanna delve into. But with a project list this big and kind of looking at a broader time window, sometimes there may be, whether it's regional influences or other things that can come in, a project may be cheaper on one end of that timeline rather than the other. Um, one example would be, say, if a roadway is being constructed over, say, Sound Transit, and they have very limited operating hours and construction can easily double in cost. Are there any projects that may fall into that category that are being considered. The, um, kind of the inverse of that a little bit. Um, we have identified projects that um, wouldn't necessarily be appropriate for us to do right now. Um, for instance, transit supportive projects on a corridor where they're slated for future 15-minute um, frequent service um, that might not come for 10 years. Um, we wouldn't do transit signal priority until there's the actual buses there. Um, there are a couple other examples like that um, where it would 
they, you know, kind of are obviously more um, like the farther out of, you know, years. Um, however, we're a little careful on trying to, um, you know, to put the projects in years because um, things do change. And sometimes something that, you know, you think it's not going to happen for 20 years might some, something might happen. And all of a sudden we're, you know, plowing through, um, is that, was, was that your question? I think you were thinking, you mentioned kind of project cost doubling down the line. Yeah. What, it, what I'm hearing is no projects are kind of being looked at through a different time lens. Um, and I just wanted to ask the question because that may be something where in the the project list, it could have an A and a B version where, yeah. you know, if, if you build it earlier and you fund it, then the city saves money in the long run. But if you delay it, it will probably be even more so unfunded because it's going to be that much more expensive. Yeah. Well, we're kind of having that conversation with Metro right now about the K-line that um, if we choose a project that we we would like Metro to help us pay for through the K-Line. Um, they, their small starts grant um, that they apply for is a capital program. It doesn't include buses. It doesn't include service hours. It's all capital. And um, and so what's that risk if we choose a project and then it, it gets billed either by development um, or, you know, our priorities if it happens sooner? Um, can we swap out a project for Metro to build us another one? And, you know, and so that's the conversation that we're having. But... Um, it's a little bit of a delicate dance. Um, there are some projects that, um, you know, that are, um, that I, well, we don't, we're still finalizing our prioritization process, but um, would seem to be very, would score very high and then um, priorities for us um, and, and have scored high in our, in some of our pri previous prioritization frameworks, such as the active transportation plan or um, where that we you know, we already know that they're a high priority. And so if a grant opportunity comes up sooner, you know, we can kind of jump on that. We have to, you know, strike that balance between how many, how many different projects we go after until we, we do kind of have to, you know, kind of go after and then complete the ones that we've started. Um, so it's, there's a little bit of a balance between sooner now and then kind of waiting with some of them. I, I, can I just real sorry, Commissioner, if you just real quick to add on to that, because I, th I think um, one of the things that kind of comes to mind with your comment, Chair McGee, um, is sometimes funding plays into this, too. So we, uh, you know, I didn't mention it on the slide specifically, but we are not assuming any external grants in the future just because there's too many unknowns with that. But um, what happens is when we look to implement a project, sometimes uh, the funding works out that you need to delay it and, and with the knowledge that it will be more expensive in the future. And so there's just a lot of things that kind of, um, play into that decision. And so I think it's hard for us to get a handle on that. What that looks like for the 20 year list, it's probably more the six year and six year transportation improvement plan and the two year budgeting where that comes into play a little bit more. Um, but it's definitely something to, to keep an eye on because in this environment, there's uh, inflated costs and every day of delay is just really killer on a lot of projects. And so um, it's 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 going to be something that impacts our capitalists for sure, especially when you look at 20 years. Yeah. Just to be mindful of time, because I think you had a slide that said no, feedback from the commission for input to or to drive to some decisions for the council on the on the nineteenth, we I, I don't understand what can we just recap what we did we talk about or what are we saying or as a group or 
That would be helpful for staff, definitely. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of a lot of things, um, uh, and it's it's good. It's all it's all really good. Um, but I think the challenge that maybe Kim, myself, and Fred and, and Victoria will have is, um, what do we take on the nineteenth to council? Um, we talked about this too. About we've talked about this too about recapping. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, what I've heard is that um, there is the um, that there are some commissioners that do like the the prioritization in order and that it's more of a um like a quantitative measure um or way of of looking at our project list um i heard that um um there is also some benefit of the 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 qualitative piece um and i don't want to project what I said from what, how you responded, but the, um, um, and so let me know if you agree or not um, about kind of um, acknowledging the, the themes from our community engagement. I'm seeing some bunch of head nods, um, correct me. Um, and then I heard safety. So kind of a, a clear one that um, we might wanna um, take a look at to see how we can, what a package looks like with that. Um, I heard that um, we looking at critical links um, in a system might be another way that we could um, pull together um, a group of groups, a group or groups of projects. Um, I heard that um, they're with a climate one that might be challenging. Um, kind of the challenge with the the transit one and this balance between um transit supported versus the transit service that we're getting those are my notes fred did you you're you've been I, taking notes do you yeah, have any i think you got them all I, was I think you got them all i was looking back that was some of the packaging one but you had the question of you know the, uh, the slide had feedback about the performance metrics performance measures the um we uh, when we go to council about the performance measures, it will not be in March. So you'll have another, we'll have more time to talk about it at your March meeting um, to re, you know, to, to kind of finalize um, what we, and what I'll do is I'll, um, I'll share with you what I heard because I have a couple of pages that might take me a little longer to recap what I heard, but we'll give you kind of a sample of what we heard. We'll revisit that. And then, you know, please do remind us um, at the end of um, next meeting in March um, to recap and make sure that we're kind of, um, and then we'll summarize that for the next time we talk to council about it. Okay, appreciate that recap. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. The recap of the recap. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a, a question or maybe a request. Um, I, I just was wondering if it'd be helpful, Kim, for you to get a sense of uh, where, the individual commissioners are at on the notion of supporting a package approach versus uh, just the one-to-end approach. Because um, uh, just, you know, a couple of people were kind of vocal about it or had a lot to say about it, but that, you know, I don't know if everybody feels strongly or one, one way or the other. So I'm just wondering if it would be helpful for you to get a, a sense of that. Sure. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So on that note, we can just go around the circle real quick. Faith, since you're up, I'll have you start, and then we'll go to AJ. I I think I am 
not hearing super compelling arguments for anything other than the one to end. AJ? Uh, I don't really have that much of an opinion on it. Um, I do want to see safety prioritized, but I think that's going to be prioritized kind of either way. All right, and here in the room, Caitlin, you've been patient so many times. I'll have you start first. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I see a lot of value in the packaging, and I think, Council, we had expressed desire to have more input on the prioritization process, and this might be an opportunity, or this is our opportunity to, to share um, how else we might want to prioritize. So I, I think we've tried to do that tonight. There's one other uh, category I might add that I was thinking of you, Commissioner Vu, you might want to see projects that fund maintenance and preservation of ex existing facilities as a package. Just a thought. Um, but I, I, I like the packaging and I like the uh, categories that you summarized, Kim. Thanks. Hey, Caitlin said it well. I've, I'll, you know, I have no further comments. Uh, just to recap, I mean, I, this is capital improvements, right? There, these aren't maintenance-related items or replacement items, are they? That is correct, but there are projects that do get at um, kind of maintaining the assets. Uh, yeah, obviously. That's there, there are a couple that are... Yeah, there are more. Yeah, it's, that's a whole different budget yeah. bucket. Right, right. Um, just, uh, no, I like the top down. I'm, I'm open to the, the packaging. The packaging, I just don't know what it looks like. So I kind of need a straw man of what that those would look like rather than just conceptually what they are. Just to clarify, if we say one to end, is that similar to top to bottom? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I okay. Maybe adding some flair to it, but yes, top to bottom. <laughs> okay. And, and similar to what Patrick said, I lean towards that because the other, although it sounds good, is a little more vague. And I'll round us out in support of the the one to end with flair. Um, I also like it specifically because with the categorization, you may be able to just, if it's a spreadsheet and you just have a column for those extra categories, one project may fit into more than one category. Mm -hmm. And that will allow for quick filtering to still be able to reflect many of the, the categories if you want to retain them. My suggestion, council member to vote. I think that was um, this. Uh, Kim and I have been talking a lot this week about this presentation, and um, it does feel like kind of a big. There's a lot going on in this, so thank you for um, sticking with us and kind of diving into the big topics because these are. This really is the heavy lifting. Um, uh, we're gonna all this upfront work we're doing is gonna pay off a lot when we get a draft plan. I think everyone when when we all get a chance to see how it comes together i think we're all hopefully going to be really pleased with it um but uh, ultimately when council uh, adopts a plan i think that project list is where again where the rubber meets the road and so uh, the more work we do now the better the outcome will be so thank you for the attention to that and uh, while i'm at it i did want to just acknowledge kim and victoria have done a huge amount of work uh, in the last I mean, really, since I've been here. So um, thank you. It's uh, I see it day to day, and it's an incredible amount of work. So I just want to acknowledge that, um, the presentations and the everything that goes into it. So thanks. Um, 
If I can add just really quick for just some feedback for if we're going to talk about performance metrics or performance measures for the next meeting, if we can get, I love how you give straw man, like this is why I think it is, or give us a list of it. I think what would be helpful also is, is, is pushing the envelope and say, okay, these are the metrics or potential metrics we're going to use. I think opening it up and saying, okay, this data just doesn't exist. You know, we heard from level of stress, this data may not exist or blah, blah, blah. But I think that would be helpful for us to have a more, um, productive conversations about, you know, what the proposed metrics are that you guys are looking at feel strongly that that's doable, reliable, replicable. And then also just kind of data sources available. I think I've, I've I think I talked to you guys on Monday about that, about mm-hmm. what data sets are available. I think it's, it, yeah, you, you give us a source of like spatial data, blah, 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 but almost like, well, what kind of, if you can get a little more details on that, that way we, we can have some, some productive understanding of like what you're talking about, what's available and what's not available helpful okay all right so that ties it up um i won't i'm not going to read the slide but um we'll be um going to council march 19th summarizing what we've heard from the public um where the where the numbers are falling in terms of the costs um and how that compares to the revenue projected revenues and um we'll communicate what we heard from you um, and then some sample um, project packaging for council to see and respond to. Um, and then um, we'll bring that, what, count, what we heard from council back to you um, in March. Um, we'll talk about the, we'll continue the performance measure discussion. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit more of the schedule. Uh, but I mentioned it already. Um, we're looking at a draft plan in June. Um, so you'll be seeing me every month. Um, and um, we do uh, plan to have a public hearing in, in June. Um, and at that point, um, that'll really be kicking off our public engagement for the draft plan, for the SEIS. Um, there will be kind of a period of, of wait. You know, there's a kind of a long review time. I don't know, Fred, if you want to mention anything about kind of some of that scheduling, but um, at, towards the, it's a, it's a it's bit of a long review time um, towards the end. And so we're going to um, really be sprinting to get to the, um, to that kind of June hearing. And we'll, we'll share more dates and all of that when we um, get a little closer. So just, uh, just a comment, just in light that things got shuffled up a little bit differently. Is there any need for us, you know, for us to do a special study session to catch up or, you know, what are your thoughts in terms of getting feedback from us now that it's, 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 it's a little bit more upfront than what we had anticipated before? Let's talk and let's compare notes and maybe we can talk um, internally to kind of map things, kind of um, processes out with the Transportation Commission. It'll all also depend on um, how often we have the opportunity to go to council. Um, we were originally, you know, I was excited, you know, asking, can I go to council every month, <laughs> you know, so that we can get their feedback or at least every other month. And, you know, the response was that um, the uh, um, council also has a lot of other things on their plate. Um, they have a full comprehensive plan. There are a lot of topics. And so, um, and even when we do go, and so we'll, um, we'll talk internally and um, kind of map out some of the next decision-making and who we can report back on that your next meeting. And I feel like if you're going to be here this often, we should finally get you one of the, the name tents as well. Right. So. 
But uh, thank you. And um, actually, our agenda, we jumped ahead earlier. Uh, we already covered a lot of the comments and updates, Doug, from your end. Um, is there anything else that you might have from the city side before we go around with the commissioners? I don't think so. I just wanted to thank um, Fred and okay. your team. Both are coming out tonight. Um, uh, um, we weren't quite sure um, if there were going to be a lot of a lot of questions from the um, or needed from the parametric side, but just kind of um, there's this is you know Fred's running the machine behind all of this work <laughs> um, with a lot of input from you know us staff, but um, yeah. So anyway, thanks for coming out, Fred. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And so for going around the circle, we'll start online. Um, AJ, I'll start with you. Do you have anything, comments or updates to share? Nope. Thank you. Right. Faith? No, thank you. All right. Galen? No, thanks. Brian? No, thank you. Patrick? Yeah, I forgot to I forgot to ask Blair about the Metroflex. We were <laughs> bring it up because I am really interested in seeing like you know how that's going and how we can perhaps you know make that more sustainable and more widespread in the city. Um, we can maybe look at setting up a thirty minute call or something like that. Um, I can let Blair know that you'd be interested in talking further. Um, I think. From my end, I don't have any major updates. I think the only thing that might be good to cover just at a brief level is maybe just there's a lot of construction going on that impacts a lot of people. Some of it's driven by WashDOT and others, but um, maybe just kind of having a, a status of how things are going from the city side um, and also just kind of impacts the traffic, anything that the commission may need to be aware of. Yeah, um, I mean, I can go off the top of my head. I've been involved in a lot of the conversations. I'm not um, like too close to the project. Uh, speaking of the 85th interchange, because that's probably the most visible. Uh, obviously, 100th is, is also, but um, uh, for 85th, uh, it's uh, going in full force. Uh, the closure that happened in January was uh, there were some lot of lessons learned in terms of how to go about that a little bit better um, next time because there will be multiple closures for this uh, project. Lots of people were impacted, um, but ultimately a lot of work was completed during the closure. So um, lots of progress being made. Um, the next big thing on the horizon is um, a water vault being placed uh, uh, 87th and 116th as a, uh, on the west side, northwest corner of the interchange um, as 87th bends up uh, to 116th, uh, that corner there. Uh, water vault will be installed and that will drive another um, potential closure. So that's in the early stages, uh, it's still being talked about, but that's kind of the next big um, thing on the horizon. Um, uh, yeah, that's... Um, is Lake Street, that scramble closure coming? Yes, that is coming as well. Um, that has been, uh, there's, that's under contract. Um, yes. Sorry for those online. Um, this is this is in regards to the question regarding the scramble. We do have a contractor who's working on it, and we're anticipating that there's going to be um, 
full closure starting at the end of April through June. Um, so it's an eight, eight week closure. Uh, traffic will be directed around uh, that intersection. And so you're going to have to plan early. Um, unfortunately, there are going to be parking spots um, that are um, going to go out of commission. So we're, we're opening up some additional ones um, along the streets. Uh, I think like nine of them. So People might have some complaints about available parking, but we're going to redirect them to, you know, the available lots that we do have where there's capacity. So I'm just trying to do a lot of outreach regarding the whole thing and reaching out to the the residents and the retailers. If you can take transit to downtown, um, that's our plug, <laughs> please. <laughs> or bike. Or bike, yes. Bike, walk, transit, all the alternative modes. Please, please, please. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the, the kind of quick highlights. It's always, I feel like we sometimes take a deep dive into what's in the future so far out and all of our planning, but sometimes it's kind of nice to know just what's what's happening. There's a lot of big things happening in Kirkland right now and regionally significant things. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a little bit painful, but the payoff will be pretty big once it's all done. All right. I think we've made it all the way through, so... Thank you to all of our presenters, city staff, um, and as the time is 8, 10 p.m., and our meeting is now adjourned. Good night. Good night.